0: Love, talk, radio.
1: Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network. This is where you'll find your tennis news. And this is your host, Coach Denise, exploring sports and tennis blessings and its effects on life's journey. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which could be the vehicle that takes you through life's journey. And our mentors, well, they might provide that roadmap for your journey. On most Thursdays, I've been blessed to be been talking with mentors who have paved the pathway for many tennis players, coaches, and, quite frankly, just business people that have uh, found tennis as a vehicle for them. Uh, also, USTA uh, officials, PTR Officials, USPTA officials, and today we'll be going a different direction uh, with uh, p- paddleballs. So we'll be getting into all the racket uh, sports. Uh, who are these mentors, you might ask? Well, on most uh, Thursdays, well, like the first Thursday of the month, it's uh, legendary Alan Fox, and he'll be joining us uh, next Thursday. Uh, The second Thursday is Coach Chuck Greasy. And on those other Thursdays, well, I've been blessed over the last three and a half uh, plus years to have people like Energy Coach Linda LeClerc on, uh, Coach Ashley Hopson, uh, uh, Nick Saviano, uh, Dr. Bryce Young, uh, Scott Williams, uh, Ed Crafts, uh, who was on uh, what, last week, I think, uh, uh, Scott Engay, a college coach now, who was a uh, uh, high school coach for, God, 20 years ago. Matter of fact, he was one of my uh, coaches when I was the tennis coordinator for the World Scholar Games uh, up at uh, University of Rhode Island. Uh so we've been blessed to have uh, many guests on, and today we're uh, going in a little different direction, but still in the racket, um, you know, department, and we'll be uh, uh, exploring uh, paddleball. ball. Uh, this is uh, somebody, that, as you know, uh, Debbie Landing, who's been on our uh, broadcast a couple of times, uh, As I said, uh, we've got to have Mike May on, so today we will have him on. Of course, the nice thing about Block Talk Radio and the Yellow Ball Network is that you can listen anytime you choose to the broadcast or any of the other broadcasts on uh, the uh, Yellow Ball Network. I would like to thank the Yellow Ball uh, CEO, J.P. Weber, for hosting our network. And if you're not following We Coach Tennis on Facebook, well, you're missing out on some useful information. And because I do believe Dr. King when he said our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter, each Thursday I will add my personal views on sports and especially North American tennis And naturally, you will hear my biased views that the tennis journey should be going through our high schools and colleges. Uh, Who knows? Together, we may wake up that sleeping giant called high school tennis. Besides our weekly conversation, the almighty willing, you will be able to continue reading my articles in Florida Tennis Magazine. And as I have previously expressed, if you disagree, please email me at Denise. that's D-A-N-I-S-E dot dot net. Who knows, you may read your views in Florida Tennis Magazine, or you may hear them on one of Coach Denise's sharing sports and tennis blessings broadcasts. It would not be the first time that's happened. I should also remind you that if somebody has taken the last issue of Florida Tennis from your pro shops, you can always see the last issue of the magazine by going to www.floridatennis.com. And in between issues and the uh, new issue on the Miami Open, uh, you you probably should be getting in your clubs any day now. I know I've received my uh, copy a uh, beautiful uh, picture of the uh, new stadium in Miami, and it's an uh, it exciting time of the year right now. Uh, and in between issues, of course, you can read Jim March's articles and some of mine on uh, Facebook on FL Tennis. That's FL Tennis on Facebook. There's always something going on between issues, and uh, we do try to keep you informed on what's going on. I see our guest is there now. Mike, uh, you're probably uh, looking out today. Let me get him on here first. Mike, are you there?
0: I am, John. Thank you for having me on.
1: Well, thanks for being here. I normally give a commentary, which is usually five to eight minutes long. Uh, you lucked out today because... uh, I have to apologize, but I succumbed to personal distractions this week, and after failure to maintain my schedule of daily time management, I did not prepare an outline for my commentaries. So, uh, while I admit that my mindset continues to shift from significance of my commentaries and the relevance of them uh, compared to other events that's been going on, and uh, some that are. Household has been uh, faced with besides the craziness going on in the world. I must admit that I have no clarity of thought for a positive commentary. And you've heard me say before, if you can't keep your comments positive, uh, maybe it's time to, uh, as my father used to say, just uh, shut up and listen. So... Uh, Admittedly, I have sometimes struggled with George Washington's Rules of Civility, and this week I was fearful of failure, and time has yet solved the issue, although this morning I did go back and read uh, Switch On Your Brain and examine the good doctor's 21-day brain detox plan. And I think she's going to get me back on the right direction, and uh, I'll return to happiness. And but the Almighty's uh, uh, help, uh will be talking about love uh, next week. Uh, so uh, I was reminded, though, while I was struggling today that I've often stated during my lectures uh, that if you don't have anything worthwhile saying, then just shut up. So... Uh, Mike, you probably lucked out today because uh, you didn't get the uh, lengthy commentary that I normally give. So uh, uh, let me just tell the people a little something about you. And you might want to correct me because uh, uh, Debbie Landing, who's out there in Houston with you, I uh, understand. But she's uh, been saying that I need to have you on the program. And uh, you actually came from uh, the college ranks of tennis, and you were an ATP uh, Tour doubles player, uh, formerly ranked. And, um, and then you, uh, you were a big part of starting, uh, what I understand, the uh, Paddleball World Championships. And you've been in all of them since 1994 until now. Uh, she says you were uh, USA. Uh, team uh, uh, captain, and you uh, helped uh, achieve uh, its highest ranking as seventh in the world at uh, one time. Is, am I on the right track here?
0: Sounds so far so good. Yep, 13 world championships later, I finally decided to retire competitively, but very uh, active and right now promoting the sport.
1: Well, she says you're very active and you really want to promote this. And that's with us having uh, Miami open now, uh, and I have to admit, I, um, I am not that familiar with the game, although the uh, editor and owner of the uh, Miami uh, uh, tennis magazine says that we're going to start a whole racket section of the uh, magazine uh, now because uh, – Evidently, you've uh, convinced him that uh, uh, paddle ball uh, is uh, going to be a big thing. And I'm, I have a few questions. I just wonder, what's the difference between pickleball and paddleball? Uh, do you use the same, uh, well, I'll call it a paddle instead of a racket? And I think back to, um, God, it's, it's has to be over 50 years ago and and a uh, former lifetime in Connecticut uh, where we uh, we used to play a game and it uh, I I thought it was called platform tennis and it looks the same as uh, what I'm seeing there uh, it's a fenced in area you could play it off the uh backboard or the sides uh I think the main difference in Connecticut, they were built off the ground and there was a place to shovel the snow off the, uh, off of there, uh, in the winter time. And, um, many of us that were playing uh, tennis, uh, used it, uh, as a game that, uh, to play during the winter time when we couldn't uh, get a tennis court, uh, is this is the similarities the same? I mean, uh, can you go into some detail what the game is about? Of course,
0: yeah. So to not get them confused, you know, platform also calls their sport paddle. Uh, in Spain, where this sport is now the second largest sport behind soccer, they have like 80,000 courts over there. They call it padel, P-A-D-E-L. But so pickleball, you've got paddle, you've got pickleball, you've got paddle, which is referred to also as platform. And then you have your pop tennis, or is referred to as paddle tennis. So all these paddles are getting everyone confused. Uh, so our sport is the one with the hard glass tempered walls. It's a 20 by 10 meter court, which is about 65 feet by 33 and a half feet long. Uh, platform on the other hand is, they have the heated platforms so that the snow can melt through. Like you are saying, you shovel snow off, It also melts through. They play with a little bit different, more waterproof ball. They do have a tightly strung chicken wire around the outside of the court, so the ball can rebound off a chicken wire, but not very far. Now, in our sport, paddle, we play with pretty much a regular tennis ball. We don't pop it. Um, it's the same felt tennis ball you play with in regular tennis. But the ball can bounce off the ground, hit the wall, and then you can play it again. So the glass is very much a part, and it is what makes the sport such a great sport. Um, you can even ricochet it back into the wall and send it back over, whereas in these other sports, you, don't, you cannot ricochet it off the wall and send it back over the net. And, and also in our sport, we serve underhanded, uh, which is actually one of the reasons why the sport has a uh, high success rate for entry-level people because they don't have to learn the overhand serve. Uh, but like platform, our strokes are pretty much the same as tennis, with just a few adaptations on our overheads just for strategic reasons. Uh, we have a few modified overheads, but otherwise we use all the same strokes of tennis and the same strokes as uh, paddle tennis that's played on the West Coast. So uh, Padel is now starting to make a move in the States because, you know, the social media and the work's getting out, more and more clubs are opening up. So you're going to start hearing about it more and more. And then, of course, you have pickleball, which is – played with a smaller, thinner paddle on a much smaller court uh, and a whiffle ball. So it's not to be confused with paddle. It's just that a lot of people think because it has a paddle for a racket that that's the only reason why they get them confused.
1: I see. And how about the scoring? Is that the same as uh, tennis or is it closer to the racquetball scoring? How is the scoring?
0: The scoring is – all the way exactly the same as tennis, all the way to the tiebreaker. We do the 15-love, 30-love, 40-love, everything. We play the 12-point tiebreaker. There's no difference in the scoring system at all between our paddle and tennis. So another, another thing, you don't have to learn a whole bunch of new rules. It's the same scoring system.
1: Uh, when you reach my age and you have a hard time uh, walking and your knees have given out after so many years in the sport. I I suppose there uh, could be advantage of uh, playing that game. Then, do you get many older people? Or is that I noticed on uh, YouTube looking at where you were graciously uh, sent me that I see a lot of young people uh, active. And uh, besides being jealous from when I was young, I mean it looked like a very nice sport. But uh, any of the yeah, I, they call them senior citizens because they're all younger than me probably. But any of the senior uh, tennis players picking up the game?
0: Yeah, we have all ages, John. I Definitely kids love it. It's like a mini-version vis- tennis, uh, you know, on a small court, four people, very social. The elderly mm-hmm. like it. and You know, I'm 52 now, so uh, when I play a tennis match, I'm pretty beat up after playing on the hard courts paddle we play on a synthetic turf, so it's a 12-millimeter synthetic turf. It has sand as an infill, so you need to use clay court shoes. So with the sliding and the cushioning of that 12-millimeter turf, it's a lot easier on the body. And the other reason why it's easier on the body is because you're not hitting too many overhead serves, or you're not hitting any at all overhead serves, but you are hitting overheads. And you have four people on the court, Uh, so it's a smaller area to cover with four people. And as you get a little bit more proficient using the walls, you don't have to chase balls down so much. So you can let a ball go by you, it can come off the wall, and you can play it again. So the, the, that, that factor is one of the reasons why elderly like it. But one of the main factors is just the social aspect of the sport. When you have four people in a tight little area and the fact that the rallies go on and on and on, and an average rally in paddle can be eight to ten balls. And then by the time you go pick up the ball and start the next point, it only takes about eight to ten seconds to get the next point started. So people really like the fact that in a short period of time, you can get a lot of exercise, and it's all for all ages because the more you can keep a ball going, the more you can keep a ball rallying, the more people have fun, and that's one of the reasons why the growth of the sport is so pr- prolific is because of the ease of it, So, and not to mention just the ease on the body. The skill level is easier.
1: I was I was watching uh, and uh, playing, showing this, the the uh, where the racket should be as you're closer to the wall and away from it. And I I think that was the one thing that fascinated me uh, when I could remember back then. I remember there was a uh, uh, young guy that had uh, served much much better than mine, and uh, when he uh, Served the first time we played. I never told him about it. you played off the wall. I said, Come on, let's get some exercise. And he hammered one by me and I played it off. And that was, nothing, like you said. So I think I am seeing the difference and played. And he and I said, Oh, I didn't tell you about that. So uh, that is pretty exciting. But that's a plexiglass you use there. So I suspect that ball is traveling pretty good, That's probably faster than it was on the old platform. Uh, well, I, I hope I'm calling the right platform tennis that I've, I played, you know, 50-plus years ago.
0: Yeah, so uh, platform has that chicken wire which absorbs a lot of the bounce. Right. So that's why when you see people playing platform, they do a lot of lobbing because they're back close to the wire. On our court, it's actually not even plexiglass. It's tempered glass. It's uh, it's uh, the really, really, I mean, it's almost impossible to break with the body. You'd have to hammer it and hammer it for that glass to break. And even then it's hard to break it. So – but when that ball hits it, it can come off pretty far. So what's very interesting about this game, if you smash an overhead at me, John, and I'm run, I'll run forward and I'll be able to retrieve that ball off of the rebound so when people smash, they better smash it totally out of the cage or they better smash it so hard that it comes back over the net so high that I can't reach it. Or they smash it so hard that it goes off the back wall flying over the side wall. And, but what's kind of unique about our sport is we do not have doors on our courts. So you'll see in those YouTube videos that I sent you of the pros, they go running out the door, they knock it back over the cage, or they pound it back through the door harder than it came at them. And A lot of times, the guy who smashes the ball so hard, sending that ball over the sidewall, a lot of times they lose the point because these pros are so good about getting out that door and knocking it back through the other door, sometimes knocking it back into the net, sometimes doing crazy things like hitting an overhead through the door, out the other door. Uh, so As a spectator sport, the glass walls make it fantastic then you can actually view you're sitting you can sit right behind the court the last world championships uh i went to i'm I'm sitting like right behind one foot behind the best player in the world retrieving balls and digging up balls that um you know in, in any normal circumstance would be a winner but because of the walls it sends it back in play
1: huh. and let me ask you a question another question and being you played both tennis and uh uh, this game, do you think um, it would hurt? Uh, for instance, I coached a, a woman, uh, well, thank God, it must be 20 years ago now, that was number one in the state of Florida in racquetball, and uh, there was a difference. And she was very competitive and wanted to be number one in the state in tennis. She turned out to be a very good tennis player, but she was never number one. Um, in the state in tennis, and in my own mind, I thought d- d- the difference in the racquetball was a help in their tennis game. Do you feel there's interfering one way or the other, tennis interfering with your sport or your sport interfering with tennis, or can they coexist?
0: I'll give you a few examples. Uh, many years ago when I first started this in the United States, I had a girl from Belgium that had never touched a racket of any type in her life. So I got her involved in paddle because she saw us out there playing and said, hey, that looks pretty fun. Then one day she goes, you know what, I'd like to try that tennis out. And so she went from paddle to all of a sudden being on an A-league in tennis. Uh, credit to her being athletic, but also because she learned the strokes of paddle. Just today I gave a lesson to two uh, C-player, tennis players, on the paddle court. And, if, you know, like any Teacher, students, you struggle with getting the students to learn a continental grip. So what mm-hmm. I noticed on the court today, it's not the first time this has ever happened, it happens all the time, that because the racket's shorter, they were able to get more comfortable with a continental grip when I was feeding them balls, teaching them how to take balls off of the walls, and it was the first time I've ever seen them that comfortable in their own skin using a continental grip. So that will help transfer over to uh, their tennis games because any time a racket is shorter and is closer into your hand, it's just easier to control than a longer tennis racket. No fault of tennis. It's just that I actually use the paddle as a teaching device also on the tennis court. I, remember, I think you remember back in the day when we would have our wooden rackets with a little vinyl cover on it. Sometimes I would put the vinyl cover back on our racket and hit volleys. you remember that? And yep. that would help us hit through the ball. So basically our power rackets, if you want to think about it, are like having tennis rack with vinyl covers, and that way you have to hit through the ball even more. Now, being said that, every year I go back, or every two years I go back to the World Championships, the level of the game is getting higher and higher and higher overnight with these countries like France and Sweden and Italy, and you know, because all the tennis players who maybe had 300 ATP ranking or they weren't quite making it on the tour, or if they're retired from the tour, or like the Rokas brothers who play who won the uh, French Open in doubles, are playing paddle now for Belgium. And they're in the middle of the pack. You know, they're not even the best players. So there's so many great players entering into the scene overnight and becoming great paddle players because the strokes are the same. So one will help the other. And the great thing, for example, like a club, you don't need to think about paddle, how it's going to uh, steal from the tennis program. you got to see how it's going to add to the tennis program because I have people uh, who are – One's playing the other because they started playing paddle, now they're playing tennis, or those people who are playing tennis are now playing paddle. They create a community in their tennis community. they got a community now in their paddle community. They're more likely to remain a member. Uh, they're learning different skills. One skill's transferring to another. Paddle makes you more patient. The points are longer. So Or tennis teaches you how to put balls away a little bit sooner, which helps the paddle player. So there's totally a lot of cross-training that goes between the two of them. And I can tell you personally, it's not, I never. You know, even though I retired – playing, you know, uh, keeping my ATP ranking, I didn't want my tennis game to go down, so it wasn't like I was going to start playing paddle, uh, and, unlike racquetball, which I feel is not a good compliment to your tennis game. Uh, paddle is. And then and then you see videos of Nadal doing it. And, you know, and Nadal's in his prime. He's a, he doesn't want to be hurting his game. So you'll see a lot of tennis players out there playing it recreationally, and then you'll see a lot of them turning it over to, uh, uh, you know, Mone fields. Montfields from France plays regularly. The Bryan brothers, I played with them at the Houstonian Hotel Club in spa in Houston, Texas. They played also in Miami with their friends in Miami. So none of these guys are going to do anything, John, that's going to hurt their tennis game in the middle of their careers. So there you have it.
1: No. No, evidently it sounds like it would be great to uh, – I mean, as a club manager, yeah, uh, uh, you, you have to look to – do you have enough space to uh, – Add uh, those kind of facilities uh, just to keep the revenue uh, stream going. No, that's That's so, interesting. I, that was the one thing I did worry because I did feel with the racquetball, you know, there's a lot, the conditioning helps and everything, but I, I did feel there's a difference in the strokes and everything, and, it did, and they weren't complementary to each other. But what you're saying, this is complementary, and I could. I could see where it would be.
0: Exactly, because you're playing with uh, no strings and a tennis ball, so it's not like you can get all wristy like racquetball where you have a powerful racket and a very light rubber ball.
1: Right. Yeah. Very good. Now, uh, is there a tournament coming up in Miami? No, there's actually...
0: The next big tournament is in uh, Houston, Texas at the end of April. The United States Paddle Association is the governing body of the sport, and it is uh, having its second nationals of the year at the Houstonian Hotel Club in Spa, which actually is the birthplace of paddle in the United States. So we'll have uh-huh. players coming from around the country uh, to play that, and they, of course, earn their national ranking points in three different categories, the beginner, their intermediate, and advanced, and then we also do uh, competition, which is more of the pro level.
1: Okay. And that,
0: and that is in April again, you said? Yes. It's the, uh, April
1: 26th weekend. Okay. Okay. Well, let me see. We might have to let some people know, and it haven't a while since we've been to, uh, Houston, but, uh, April 26th, uh, that might be a trip worth having, uh, you uh, know that. Okay, let me ask. Let me uh, get a couple more uh, questions, if I uh, could, because um, I, uh, the uh, the sounds and everything are the same. So I'm assuming if I'm managing a club and I have eight or ten uh, or more uh, tennis uh, clubs for me to to sit there and put. Uh, the paddle tennis in, am I taking up more space or less space? And dollar-wise, I know it's hard to give an actual dollar, but am I spending more money on those or less money for a tennis court? So your
0: foot, your footprint is a lot smaller. So you're saving money on square footage. A paddle court needs about twenty five hundred square feet, and you can essentially, if you were to go east west you know, with the downside of having the sun, of course. And uh, you could get three paddle courts on one tennis court because the width of a tennis court is 60 feet. And a paddle court, it would be nice if you had about 70 feet. So you could add on 10 feet. The uh, additional concrete would not really create a problem because you put turf on top, so any seams on the court are going to be covered with the turf and the three tons of sand that we put on the courts for, uh, for the infill. Uh, and then, or what we have some, had some people do, John, is they take an old basketball court and they have converted that because the basketball court wasn't getting the use that they needed. Um, sometimes, uh, we there's a, a facility that has put, um, on top of, uh, a parking lot and put the turf because you're not having to surface of the parking lot. You're just putting the turf on top of the parking lot, so... They're pretty easy to move around, uh, relatively speaking, I'm four days, five days, because I have a paddle construction company, USA Paddle Center. We've done most of the courts in the U.S. We started with the oldest company. What you do is you just bolt these things down in the court, and there's even a portable version. If you didn't want to bolt something down in the court for a few extra thousand dollars, you get the portable version, which is just sets the court up on top of an existing court, like you see on the YouTube videos with the professional matches when they put them in basketball stadiums or tennis stadiums and they want to bolt them down, they just put down the temporary court, and they pick it up in a few days and move it on to the next event. A paddle court, uh, all-in materials, you're looking at around $18,000. You know, labor, probably another four or five. Concrete, being that it's less concrete than a tennis court, you're, depending on the state, uh, some places you can use asphalt in different parts of the country, and you can do a concrete perimeter. Or, like in Texas, we have to have concrete all the way through and through because of our clay. Then you're looking at around $16,000 up for the concrete. Uh, in Spain, what they've done, John, is because there are so many abandoned warehouses, uh, because the economy went pretty bad there for a little while, the paddle courts were just coming up overnight because you had these empty warehouses that already had the concrete, so people were just building. You know, in, in a weekend they could put in several courts and all of a sudden have a facility functioning, opening and going. So. Uh, wherever there's space, let's say for example a tennis club has this little niche of land that's just kind of like you can't do anything with it's not big enough for a tennis court and they're thinking man, maybe I should put a ball machine court there or something they can put a paddle court and then the other cool thing about it is if you have summer programs, you can do red ball on there you can even do orange ball on there you can can have field hockey on there, you could do soccer on there, there's so many different uses if someone puts it in their backyard it's kind of like a uh, an all sports court more so than just a power court you can put a basketball goal hanging over the side it can be a multi-purpose thing uh but because you don't need all that extra space of a tennis court because you don't you, because the walls are our boundaries you can build it right up next to the side of a building so hmm. there's
1: a lot yeah. of possibilities yeah. let me ask you another question this is completely selfish and i know you're probably not familiar but i spent Twenty years uh, coaching um, high school uh, tennis and um, training the coaches in Florida, uh, for that. and selfishly, uh, I've. Uh, I, I, well, some people say I took on the USTA and some of the school boards. Um, I I don't think I do. I just. I think we have to think outside the box sometimes, but uh, we can do that with a regular basketball court then and transfer that, right? Do you have any high schools in Houston doing this?
0: So right now we don't have paddle in any schools yet. We have had some – you know, boys and girls clubs come out and use. My wife and I opened a uh, public facility uh, that you don't have to be a member. You can pay by the hour called iPaddle Houston. And we have exposed, you know, actually for the what we have done is we uh, offer our facility as a free auction item for schools to raise money so that we can get these schools uh, aware that paddle exists. So, uh, but we haven't gotten it to get it into the schools yet, but I, I have a feeling that that will start happening just because, you know, the uh, schools, are, you know, in Houston, one of our biggest issues is we've always been ranked in top five obese cities in the United States. So uh, schools are always looking for a way to get kids more active. And uh, But it's, it's slowly but surely, but I think it's going to crack eventually that we'll get some schools to do it and other schools will follow suit but I think probably the first schools to do that would be the private schools, and that's why we've been doing these events with them and hoping that maybe that will take that back to their campuses.
1: Well, I hope so, too, because I uh, I fear sometimes that, uh, you know, we all have our own biases and prejudices, and I'm no different than anybody else, but, I think we've, uh, our schools have uh, forgotten that uh, sports is a great learning tool and that competition is not a dirty word, and we're uh, we starting to uh, teach to test rather than teaching subject matters. So I've often asked on the broadcast, uh, you know, is uh, high school tennis an after-school sport or is an after-school uh, activity And there's nothing wrong with after-school activities. We need them. But I I think uh, after-school sports, uh, selfishly, I think they're more in tune with what we should be doing. And uh, I think we have to – I'd like to sit there and talk with you after. You got me excited about this. And uh, uh, I've been accused of stepping away from the – uh, my activity with the high schools, and I'm not doing it. i just stepping away from it, but I still have the same passion that I think we should be doing sports through our high schools. It's just that uh, I figure let's get some young people in there, but um, maybe uh, it, we can't give everything to our young people to do. Uh, I'm going to get in touch with you after because I, I think this is something that uh, – We ought to be able to get into our schools, and not just in Houston, but maybe we could do it in Florida, too, because uh, uh, I think we have a better chance of getting it going across the country. How many uh, people are in the association now? Well, let me
0: uh, actually back up on your comment with the kid thing. Uh, Yes. It's a super opportunity for kids right now. So if, if you could go to a parent and say, hey, Would you like your kid to play for the United States in any sport? How would they say They'd be like, oh, my God, that would be fantastic. But, you know, how feasible is that? You know, being on a U.S. team in any sport is quite a feat. So if you try to get on the U.S.A. team in tennis right now, good luck. I mean, it's pretty dead. Almost barely have enough kids every year to make the world championships because the sport is still that young here in the States. So although we're not in schools, uh, the kids who are training, for example, I built some three courts at a great club called T-Bar M in Dallas, Texas,
1: and, oh, uh,
0: they have a lot of, yeah. yeah, you know, TBRM, everyone knows TBRM and, yeah. and that, that club has a perfect opportunity to tell their parents, listen, your kids can play for the U S and paddle and you can put that on your kid's resume. So when that kid goes to UT and all grades being equal, all things being equal, but it says on that resume that you play for the U S something, who do you think is getting in? Or you go for that job interview and you have that UT graduate degree and so does that other guy, and then they say, oh, you played for the uh, 16 and under, 18 and under USA paddle team in Belgium or in uh, Brazil or wherever it was or the Pan American Games, then, then you've you got that brand on your resume for life. So right now uh, we are took some kids back in 2013 to our very first world championships that we attended for juniors, and they got slaughtered. I mean, but the countries were very nice. They 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 kept the ball in play. But now our kids are starting to win. Those kids that lost in 2013 now are the 18-year-olds that are be- beating Chile or beating some of these old-established Latin countries that've been playing paddle for a while. So uh, that that this is why this is an opportunity. And if you're a tennis player out there and you're a super champ, we can make you a great paddle player in just a matter of months without hurting your tennis game, only helping it, and also having the chance to say, "Man, I play, you know, I play tennis for." and I also play
1: for the United States. It's a cool thing. Now, do you, with your association, do you do any, uh, I've seen your video instructions, which I thought were excellent, and I picked up the difference with, you know, what I was doing 50-plus years ago and what, you know, you could do on here. But can you, uh, we have the Professional Tennis Registry or the USPTA, which uh, aren't doing anything, do you do instructions yourself or certified coaches to uh, teach the game, or is there just not enough uh, courts around the country to do that? It's kind of a yes and no question. Uh,
0: I actually have the very first official certification course in the United States coming up uh, in July, uh, official meaning that the United States Professional, uh, United States Paddle Association, which is the governing body of the sport here in the United States, is aligned with the International Paddle Association, uh, which is basically out of um, Italy. Uh, the previous president for the International Federation of Paddle is coming to do the certification with me in July uh, over here at iPaddle Houston, and we're probably going to have probably about eight pros, um, and these are people that already either have a court access or they're planning on having access to a court. So uh, July 19th to 21st, we'll be doing a three-day intensive course going into the history of the sport, the rules of the sport, the mechanics of the sport, not just going out there and just hitting around a few balls and doing a few drills. They have to get into the classroom. They need to know a little bit about the background of the sport. They need to know the difference between uh, our sport and other sports. Uh, you know, the origin of it that is from Mexico and, 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 and uh, the technical, uh, tactical basics of the game. So we'll be going through all of that, and that will give these pros a really official certification to get out there and, and have a good idea on how to get people excited about the game because we are all, all of us coaches are all pioneers here in the United States, and we're all pioneers worldwide, of course, because it's still a relatively new sport compared to tennis. So it's our job to be able to go out there and get people excited and having success as soon and as quick as we can. And with my teaching methods and practices, I've introduced more people to the sport probably than anyone, well, for sure than anyone in the United States since we started it here. But um, I got, I've got a little of people excited and playing well in the, in the first five to ten minutes.
1: Now, let me ask you a question. Is Debbie playing the game too?
0: Debbie played on a few of my U.S. teams, actually. So Debbie was on the very first U.S. women's team, and how we chose that was we picked all the best male players and female players in town, and we all had to do a little round robin and the the top players made the team. So Debbie uh, played with us and, you know, Mexico and and, uh, Canada and and different places back in the day. So she's actually one of the founders, uh, founding players. Mm -hmm. And now she runs a program at the Houstonian Club uh, during the summer that sells out. Uh, We we take up to 20 kids, and she does a little paddle, swim, and tennis program uh, very successfully every
1: May through August. Well, I think we—I uh, I have a, a bias and a prejudice. I, I actually, for age people, years ago, i had short in the game in using the uh, ten and under courts for the USTA uh, because um, my wife does, runs not for profit. Uh, uh, 10 and under program and she reminds me twice a year for six weeks i can't uh go traveling around because uh i have to work with the kids i always tease her but i, I love with the little kids but a lot of the people in our uh city was complaining the other people were complaining well there's nothing for her. everything is for the kids she's taking up all the courts and uh and so uh, I had a woman, uh, 85 years old, she chased down the ball and uh, broke her hip. And, I, you know, I just got thinking. think, everybody said, well, you know, she shouldn't, it uh, didn't happen in Ireland, it actually happened in another city she was competing. And um, they said, well, she shouldn't, uh, you know, at her age, she shouldn't be doing that. People forget because we're we're old and uh, we can't move like we used to. The competitive juices are still there, so I shortened the the uh courts and uh, to use that. But the USTA, after traveling around the Louisiana and other places and getting reviews on it, which were pretty positive, they uh, said, "Well, let's wait and get the tenant undergoing." And they missed the ball because. Uh, Paddleball has taken over, and we have courts here, and everything and my own prejudice is that maybe part of it's my age, but I just I look at people standing still and not getting no exercise and not doing anything but and that was and we're putting courts all over the place, and, and you know how much more is it gonna cost us uh you know. To to go your route, it just seems like it'd be so much uh, more productive. So you have my interest in this, and I think you and I should sit down uh, after. I have to tell uh, Jim March, the editor and founder of Florida Tennis Magazine, that uh, he's evidently he was right. He asked me what I thought about adding more racquetball. you know, racket pages to the magazine. Uh, evidently, uh, he was ahead of me with the curve. But uh, I, I think you know, somehow we got to figure out how we get this sport to be more popular. And uh, I'm I'm going to lean on you for that, if that's okay with you.
0: Absolutely, that's what I'm here for.
1: Um,
0: any anything I can do to help the sport grow, even as far as investing in my own club and my own money to make this happen, I is proof enough that I believe in it, that I can spend a good portion of my savings to buy my own land and buy my own clubhouse and buy my own courts. And and still I'm still the director of racket sports at the Houstonian, where it started for 25 years ago. And uh, my wife, who's originally from Spain, has taken over running this facility over here. And we've added hundreds of new people to the sport. And so you get a few more clubs like that popping up like they are then you get enough critical mass and you get enough critical mass and people want to become involved but uh you know clubs like TBRM and the houstonian and the grand sports club and the woodlands and uh austin paddle tennis club uh all these texas clubs um, are pioneers and you know and, and hopefully you know like a pioneer some pioneers die and before the next group comes along and populates but uh we're hoping that all these pioneers stay alive and do the hard work and the the diligence that it takes to introduce enough people, do enough promoting. If you don't have the heart for the sport, John, if you don't have the heart to give, you're not going to be successful. If you think you're just going to build some courts and the phone is going to start ringing, you might as well get ready to to go to bankruptcy court. But that's true for any business. But this sport, you put your heart into it and you get involved and you get people loving it. All you have to do is send an email out saying we have a social on Friday night. Who's there? It fills up, and that's what happens with our facility. And um, you know, I'm, I'm actually sitting in a parking lot right now, talking to you on the phone, seeing both courts in use, uh, and, uh, and that's what you want. That's what you want.
1: What people having fun and 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 making friends and having community. Yeah, it's true. If you don't put your heart in anything. It's gonna if you do achieve, it's gonna sure take you a lot longer to do it. That's for sure. Listen. Sure. Uh, why don't you do? To, to tell the people how to get a hold of you, uh, and you and I will, will sit down after because I've, uh, I I might uh, see if uh, Jim has been bugging me to write a couple articles each issue. Maybe uh, I'll, my summer um, article. Uh, I'm going to ask you to sit there and give me some help with, and I'll contact you later. But how do people get a hold of you, either by for building course or uh, for learning more about the game? And uh, our broadcast, um, you know, truthfully goes all over. Evidently, you don't need us in Europe, where a good part of my audience is, because they're already doing it over there. But it does go throughout the. Uh, United States. So uh, hopefully somebody, if somebody's listening in Connecticut or South Carolina, uh, you know, well Texas, they know you. But uh, how do they get in touch with you? Well, I'll tell you, what, they can get in touch with me for many reasons to find out where
0: to play, how to play, why to play. And in an opening a business, what to do and what not to do, because some of the people that have pioneered this have made some costly mistakes. When I visit facilities, I'm like flabbergasted. At, Why did you do that? And Who didn't think of that? And, and so I help a lot of people avoid costly mistakes, that type of thing. But if they want to get in touch with me on my cell phone, you can either call and or text. is 713 539 Three one one zero seven one three five three nine thirty one ten. They can uh, visit my website P-A-D-E-L, center, C-E-N-T-E-R, dot com. So it's usa but paddle spelled P-A-D-E-L. And they can also email me from that site as well, and I can be uh, happy to answer any questions and how they can get their mind wrapped around how this can fit in their facility and. You know, if they do do that, then you know I, I even have offered uh, if their pros are not able to come and get certified at what we do here in Houston, I'll go certify their pros there because I want them because you got to have somebody like I said with heart, with love, and with knowledge behind the game to make it go. And if you have that, it's a for sure recipe.
1: Well, if you do get some where you're coming to Florida, we're on the east coast of. Uh... Florida, between Orlando and West Palm Beach. We used to be a small fishing village, and about 35 years ago, a bunch of us ruined it for them and <laughs> built the area up. But uh, It's a great place. If you're in the area, we would be blessed to have you uh, visit us, Bobby and I. Our house has been open uh, as a tennis home. Tennis coaches come in and out, uh, uh our kids, uh, I, I like the rest of the kids in the world, we figured uh, they would, uh, you know, be coming and visit us often, but it doesn't happen. They all have their own lives to live. So we always have bedrooms that are empty. Uh, it's a quiet little place. Uh, but uh, if you're in that area, we're welcome uh, to have you. Uh, we haven't had nobody in your sport here yet, but... Uh, The house has been full with tennis coaches uh, from around the country and tennis players on tour. And it's the same thing if you have young players uh, going, um, you know, to a tournament, if you get them going in Florida, uh, our house is always open to uh, young players that are uh, looking to uh, participate in the sport. And uh, so – Uh, I enjoyed talking with you. I do have to uh, uh, tell Debbie, like normally she is correct. She says that it would be a meaningful uh, conversation and one that I should have with you. So uh, I do have to call her and thank her for uh, making the introduction. And I do look forward to our conversation in the future, and you know how to get a hold of me uh anything you think I could use uh, to sell we're actually uh uh our city is uh we have courts in a couple of different places but we're and one of them where our quite court courts, we have a piece of land that's left over uh, when I was on the u s state Board of Directors. I gave them the way to lay out the courts and uh, like you said before people don't do things well the city didn't do it that way and now they have uh, they can't add like the people want with the clay courts because they didn't lay out the uh, courts like uh, we told them to but there is property there where this might be uh, something that fits in so I might be asking for your uh, help because uh, I think I'm going to talk to the city manager again
0: That'd be fantastic. That'd be a great way to get it started. And thank you for the invite. I'd love to come over there and, and hang out with you guys.
1: Well, we would love to help you you're on the east coast of the tournament here, and you're going to be in here. Like I said, we're just about uh, we're halfway between West Palm and Orlando, uh, so if you fly into each, are you know you get right down the, we're right on the east coast, uh, about an, it's about an hour and fifteen minute uh, ride from each place, so. Excellent. Sounds beautiful. Sounds like a retirement. Well, well the yeah, the retirement <laughs> is not what you what it's all cracked up to be. I always tell people be careful what you yeah. wish for. Uh so there you go. uh it isn't uh, so I guess it's good for some people but uh, this is uh, this is why I can't go into retirement. Uh I don't. Uh, people know I'm not a. Uh, if you're looking for a hand partner, you know, I'm not the person. But I still have a brain, and I still help a few people. Uh, but my um, hours on the court is not limited to three days a week. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Make adjustments through life, and uh, this is what you have to do. Excellent. Uh Well, okay, John, thank well you so thanks much for uh, being. Go ahead. I'm sorry to cut you off.
0: No, no, sir. i have done. Thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate your time.
1: Well, thank you for taking the time, and uh, I look forward to uh, our conversations in the future. I've got a, a feeling this is uh, we're... Well, you're in the frontier of it. The frontier people always get all the earls and everything, but I think the people coming in now, they'll still be at the beginning, but... Uh, it's, uh, it's a safer trip now uh, out west than the Oregon Trail used to be uh, at one time. So
0: exactly. thank you for exactly. being on.
1: Uh, God bless you. I look forward to our next conversation.
0: Okay. Best of luck to you. Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Bye. Okay. Next week our guest is going to be uh, Alan Fox on the uh, broadcast. And uh, it's the first uh, Thursday of the month, so uh, Alan, uh, we're blessed to have Alan uh, on the first Thursday most of the time. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be exciting. Hopefully, we might have uh, something coming out of uh, uh, the, the Miami uh, Open. We might get his evaluation on uh, some of the things that happen. By the way, I should remind you, unfortunately, uh, Bobby and I are going to be able to make it. But uh, remember, um, getting ready for the French and the clay tournaments for the Americans uh, starts with the Volvo Open in Charleston, which is one of our favorite uh, cities. But we're not going to be able to make that trip to Charleston uh, this year. But the Volvo Open for the women is always a great, great uh, event. So uh, those of you uh, that uh, are able to make that trip, I'm sure you're going to see some great uh, tennis there. Uh, I look forward to our conversation uh, next week. Tell your friends about the broadcast and um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we won't have another uh, conversation with Mike and, uh, it uh, would okay, be interesting to see what's going on in our next issue of Florida uh, Tennis Magazine. The new issue is now out, uh, and uh, the cover is uh, of it is a beautiful picture of the new Miami uh, Open. Uh, it's a whole new era that uh, we're seeing. The old facility was a beautiful facility, uh, but unfortunately, it just. Uh, You know, wasn't able to continue because of politics, but politics is what life is about, and, uh, you know, life goes on. I uh, tell your friends that uh, join us next week. I look forward to talking with you again, and uh, have a blessed week. Bye now.